Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. She's not bad. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Let's show her appreciation. She does a great job. I want to just say that the first thing, the next thing on God's calendar, here it is. Next thing on God's calendar. Somebody is trying to upstage me here. <laughs> the next thing on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. And that's, that's not a dispensational position. That's a biblical position. That's a biblical position. I love it when Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica, and, when, and you opened up yes, last night with that. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them who are asleep. And so I'd like us to turn there, if you would. We're going we're gonna to come back to uh, 2 Peter, because he's going to address this. But I'd like us to look, first of all, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I want us to just look at this. It says, but I would not have, this is verse 13, I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. Why? Because they were. They were ignorant. They were ignorant of about what he was about to tell them. And then in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, but in the times and in the seasons, brethren, I have no need to write to you. Why? Because he tells them that I consistently told you of those things. I constantly told you those things. So I don't need, you know that the, the, the end times, you know, the second coming of Christ, etc. That's already in the Old Testament. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them who are asleep. I don't want you, they were, they thought they were going through the tribulation. They thought this was what was going to happen. And so what did he say? He said, them concerning them who are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. It doesn't mean you don't sorrow. It means you don't sorrow as others who have no hope. We have a hope. Now, I cried like a baby, and I still get teary-eyed, you know, when I think about my home going of my mom, you know, and, and my dad, the people, I'm an orphan now. And I still think about that, and I think, but I don't, I cry like, I cry like crazy sometimes, and I just, I just wish Fran, my mom, could see my grandson, born on her birthday four years later. And I just think to myself, I just wish that, you know, but I don't, I know I'm going to see her again. And it's just not some pie in the sky type of thing. And because notice what Paul writes to the Thessalonians. He says to them, I, even as others who have no hope, verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, okay, did you catch that? Did you catch that? I hope you all catch that. That's from, the, we're in Southern California. Hope you all catch that. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. The question is this. How did you get to that? How did you get to that issue that we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again? How did you get to that? Were you there? No, we get it from the his, literal historical grammatical hermeneutic. In other words, we take the literals, we literally look at the text and give it its normal, natural usage. I was at the University of Michigan, and I was talking to this Jewish student, and he says, you Christians, he goes, you Christians are a bunch of literalists. I said, really? He goes, yeah, you're a bunch of literalists. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, well, you're a literalist. <laughs> it didn't quite help me to understand what he meant. 
I said, but so I helped him out. I said, well, you mean, you're meaning to say that I take the very words of normal natural usage. That's what I'm giving. That's what a literalist says. I said, but in Psalm 91.4, it says he will cover you with his feathers. I don't believe God's a chicken. But I give it its normal natural usage. It's a metaphor. If I see like or ass, it's a simile in front of it. And, all, you know, the grammatical aspects of it. Literal, historical, grammatical aspect. i got to tell you, that's the only legitimate hermeneutic or the only legitimate way to interpret the Bible. The literal, historical, grammatical hermeneutic. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, I got that because I take and give it the words of normal natural usage. I look at the historical content of it, and I also look at the grammar of it. If I get to that, words mean things, and I say to myself, Jesus lived in time and space, and He died on a Roman cross, and rose again physically from the dead. That is exactly what Paul is telling them. So if we believe that, what now should we believe the same way? Well, let's look at it. Let's look at it. He says this, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, verse 14, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, even so them who also who sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by what? Oh, my little Darbyite stuff. No, by the word of the Lord. By the word of the Lord. That we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not go before or precede them who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and shall remain shall be caught up. Caught up. Caught up. Okay, 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 okay. I took Kung Fu and Taekwondo. I am not, my hands are not legalized. Okay, they're not. I took Kung Fu and Taekwondo from a Green Beret who was in Vietnam. This guy saw so much combat, he was a little scary. I mean, he had punji stick holes through his feet. You know, where he would st you know, step on a punji stick in Vietnam, fought in the jungles, boom, and he would ram it through, cut the top, and then they'd have to put antibiotic on it because he knew the story. This guy was nasty. Uh, Gary Kovac was his name. And this guy was really something. So I did it. I broke my toe twice, the same toe, big toe. I mean, I, oh, just, I could do a flying drop kick, and I was doing the, the cat's dance and all this kind of stuff. So I... I had some kind of training. I mean, it was just to make myself dangerous, I guess, in my own thinking, <laughs> not to anybody else. So I'm working at, uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm saved, and I, I'm married now, and, and I'm working at this place called Cleveland Surveys, and I don't know why this kid who also worked there came up to me and said, it was almost like the Kung Fu show, you know? You know, he, Chris... Can you take this? And it was an earring. A woman's earring, you know, you like clip on. What is he doing with this woman's earring? I have no idea. He comes up to me with all this like southeastern, Chris, weed hopper, can you take this out of my hand? So I look at him <laughs> and I go, and he's looking at me like, you're slow as molasses. And I went, I went, 
<clears throat> like this, and he's like, <laughs> and I went, ah, there it is, you know, there it is, and I gave it back to him, and I thought, I snatched it away with violence, I went, boom, that's exactly what the word means in the Greek, to be snatched away with violence, caught up. And the Greek, the Greek is, uh, was translated into the Latin, in the Latin Vulgate, they translated it rapturo, rapture. That's where we get the word rapture. Didn't get it from, didn't get it from John Nelson Darby. You know the secret, no, you got it from the word of God. To be snatched away with violence. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15? 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, I guess that's left. Yeah, that's right. Turning left to chapter 15. One time I was in a, a chapel and I was said, uh, at the breaking of bread and I said, please turn with me. And I didn't hear any rustling of the pages. All I heard was... <laughs> and they're all on iPhones and iPads, you know, and I'm going to turn with me, and they're going, boom, 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 boom. what? <laughs> it was really weird. <laughs> Look at verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. Oh, there's a, there's a telltale word. That word is used 27 times, 22 times as mystery, five times as mysteries, and it is used of something hidden in the mind of God that never was revealed until now. And in, first, in Ephesians chapter 2 and 3, you find out that the church and Israel are different entities. If you con confuse the two, if you apply verses that are meant for Israel and you apply them to the church, you're making a fatal mistake eschatologically speaking. You're making a huge mistake. Mystery. What's the mystery? Mystery is that, that and we see this, we see this three times in Ephesians 2, 2 11 through 3, 3, 16, something like that. You see it three times, the word mystery is used. Mystery used of the church. In other words, it was, not, in fact, it outright says, not written in all aged times, but now is revealed to us. Right? This is the mystery. Behold, I show you a mystery. What is the mystery? That we shall not all sleep. In other words, it is not in the Old Testament. The rapture of the church is not in the Old Testament because the church is not in the Old Testament. And Israel and the church are separate. Okay? And how did I get to that? The literal, historical, grammatical, hermeneutic or rightly dividing the word of truth. You do it any other way. Well, you're going to do it allegorically. There are no rules for allegory. But there are rules for the literal, historical, grammatical, hermeneutic. You can't just do it whenever you want to make it. You can't do it. You can with allegory. You can with allegory, but you cannot with the literal, historical, grammatical, hermeneutic. Notice what he said. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. That Greek word is so beautiful. I love, you know, I'm not showing you how smart I am because it's not reality. I just, somebody told me this and I actually looked it up. Be dagged. 
I looked that up, B-Dag. It's Briggs, Drivers, Art, and Gingrich. It's a great lexicon. We, we, we name it B-Dag, right? We look it up, and, it, you know, we look at Adamas. It sounds like Attaboy, but it's not. It's at Tomas, at T-O-M-O-S, right? So T-O-M-O-S in the Greek means time. You put an A in front of that, it means no time. And if you were to look at the definition in the Greek of this, it means you cannot be cut, it cannot be divided. In a moment, in an atomos, it cannot be divided. That's why we're, where we get the idea that the rapture of the church could happen at any moment. Boom, gone. And it's going to be so fast, faster than the twinkling of an eye. He uses an illustration just to help us to get our idea that it's so fast. Boom, gone. And notice what he says. We shall not all, you know, in a, we shall, it says, in a, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall, all, we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So then this corruptible shall have put on incorruption. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. I love this. You know, when I was in high school, junior high in high school, I go play basketball. And I come back from basketball. My parents had this milk service. You know, we didn't buy milk at the store. We had this milk service, Dean's Dairy. And we could always tell the truck would come down and the guy would walk up our driveway and clink, 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 clink. Because these bottles, you know, eight bottles or whatever, and then and we'd pop them off. Me, my parents hated me because I would pop it and I would leave backwash. I would drink it. And my, my parents were going, use a glass. Use a glass, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Who's pointing to where? There you are. There you are. We're pointing you out, right? Mr. Colgate, I would never point you out at all. Never. But I did the same thing. And then as I grew bigger and older, uh, I would come back and I would take that cold milk and I'd give myself an ice cream headache, man. But I would down that thing, and I'd be going, <laughs> I'd down the whole thing to extinction. It was gone. You could just see the, the bubbles in the, in the thing. My parents are going, this, is, this kid's costing us cash. This kid is really something. You know, that is, death is swallowed up in victory. Got to tell you something. That's exactly what God thinks of death, it is swallowed to extinction. No wonder he says death has lost its sting. Because sin is the sting of death. And death, he's conquered it by the physical resurrection. This is why he tells us this. But it's predicated off the fact that we are going to be raptured. Those who have gone before us and those who are we're standing now, they'll go first. But this is going to be a fast ordeal. Boom! Gone! 
with Him. That's the next thing on God's calendar. That is so different than the second coming of Jesus Christ. Matthew 24 and 25. Never apply Matthew 24 and 25, which is applicable only to the Jews. Only to the Jews, because it talks about the tribulation. It talks about the great tribulation in the last three and a half years. And then it talks about the second coming of Christ. If you, if you hold to the literal, historical, grammatical hermeneutic, you will not come up with anything else except the pre-tribulational rapture of the church. You will not do it. You have to do the theological two-step to get rid of that. This is why these guys and the reform guys, you know, they're Amil and all these different positions, post-mid, three-quarter trib, partial rapture. I always thought the partial rapture was you got raptured from the waist up. <laughs> I did. I'm going, what is that? The partial repeat. There it goes another pair of legs, you know. And I, I really, really did. And I just thought, that is really, really weird. Really weird. It doesn't mean that. They don't mean that. They meant throughout the tribulation. But it's just really strange. This is why he tells us, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Wow! It's not in vain in the Lord. Hey! Let me just tell you what Paul tells the Romans. We win and we win big. We win and we win big. I mean, it's, it's not even close. It's a, well, I don't want to say a kill, but it's, it's a slaughter. <laughs> it's a slaughter. We, we win and we win big. And that's exactly what he tells us. He tells us this. Peter is going to pick up on this theme. He's going to pick up on this theme. You know why? Because it's biblical, number one. And he's going to tell us about this. Uh, you know, in, in Romans 8, 37, Nay, we are, on all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We are preeminently victorious through Him that loved us. He is going to have the last word. And we are going to win very big. This is exactly why. This is exactly why Peter is talking to us. And he says in chapter 3, verse 1, this second epistle, beloved, I write now, now I write, write unto you in both, I wish to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. That you be mindful of the words which were spoken of before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us and the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first. Okay, so he is asking us to remember. Remember what? Coming again. Coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. Coming again. Right? This is exactly what he's talking about. People say, I don't want to go to the undertaker. I want to go to the upper taker. Well, who cares if you go to the undertaker? 
you're not going to be there anyway. And then you're all of us from, from Acts chapter 2, all those who died even in the church of Thessalonica, they will go before us. And we who are alive, boom, we'll be with him together in the air. And then, then there's a period of time that takes place. No one knows how long that period of time is. No one. But there's a short period. There's a period of time. It probably is a short period of time. But when that Antichrist is revealed, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, when that Antichrist is revealed, this is after the rapture of the church, the Antichrist will be revealed. And when he signs that covenant, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27 and, and following, when he signs that covenant, that starts the prophetic clock of the 70th week of Daniel. That finishes the clock. Seven years. It's weeks of years. And that starts off again and culminates with the return with us. Zechariah 14.4, we come with him at the end of the tribulation. During the time of the tribulation, the church will go through the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what we're going to do. This is cool. I like this. And the way I got to that, if I believe that Jesus died and rose again, same way. Same way I got to that. He is talking, uh, telling us to remember. Stir your mind through the apostles and prophets and stir them up. And stir up what they have said to you. And then so remember. And then he tells us to know this. And notice this. He says, verse 3, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. Scoffers, mockers, false teachers it's designed at. It's defined at. It's, it's, you know, these guys will come through and they're going to tell you all manner of stuff. That's exactly what they did at the church of Thessalonica. In fact, they were so bad, these scoffers, they were writing letters as if they were from Paul. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 sometime and look at verse 3. And he says, you don't, don't believe us from uh, as even a letter from us for the day of the Lord shall not come except this happens rapture of the church all this stuff that, you know people say oh, you know I think that I think that this guy is the antichrist or I think that that guy is the antichrist you ever hear that or you maybe even thought that hmm oh, I think that this guy is the antichrist when I was first saved or young in the faith we started this ministry called the Salt Company, and we rented out a storefront, and we rented half of it to the Praise the Lord Christian Bookstore. And uh, my friend Dan Corey, he was running it, and uh, it was really interesting because he had this book, and that, this book had, you know, I forget who wrote the book, but they had, they had uh, what's that guy's name, the former Secretary of State, he's German, uh, huh? Henry Kissinger, and across his, on this book cover, Cross Henry Kissinger's, you know, face, 666. <laughs> what a joke. What a joke. You're not going to see, if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, you will not see the Antichrist. You can't, you can't figure it out, and, and you just can't do it. Because you're, he's not going to be revealed until we're gone. First, second, or second Thessalonians chapter 2. Three times the rapture is used in that in seven verses. Three times. And so, 
we look at this, and he's telling us to know this. But then when that takes, the scoffers that will come and mock this out like crazy. False teachers giving us no hope. Zero hope. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Right? You're going to go through the tribulation, bud. That's a comfort? You don't know the tribulation. Look at Revelation 6 through 19 if you want to know what's going to become. The fourth seal, by the time the fourth seal opens, you know, the fourth, you know, in the beginning, the fourth seal, you got a quarter of the world's population dies. Now that's symbolic. Not to them. <laughs> oh, man. So if you got 8 billion people, quarter of the there's a lot of people that are going to die. <laughs> a lot of people. So you look at this, and he says, there's scoffers that are coming. And, uh, you know, walking after their own lusts. And, you know, what, what the scoffer? Oh, just let's look at it, the scoffer. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Scoffer, scoffer. These mockers. These false teachers, right? Okay, so turn with me. To Proverbs chapter 22, if thou wouldest. You know, we had a, you know, you were very uh, uh, open and transparent, Steve. And that's Steve all the way. That is Steve all the way. What you see is what you get, which I really appreciate about Steve. I really do. This is not a love in for Steve, but it's, I just really appreciate it because what you see is what you get. And uh, we were going through some deep waters, and we had some false teachers in our midst. And I was really, really upset. I was really upset. And I was praying about, God, what do I do? What do I do? Please give me wisdom as to what to do. And the Lord did. In my daily reading, I read a proverb a day. So it was February 22nd. And I was reading through, and I'm asking God, show me what to do. And I came across verse 10. I came across verse 10. And it, I stopped breathing. Cast out the scoffer, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. And it's like the Lord saying, you must take action. You must cast the scoffer out. And when we did that, we did that, the contention stopped. The contention stopped. The infection. Steve, what do you got to do if somebody's really got an infected cut? What, what's, what's the protocol for that? Huh? Drain it. Drain it. Uh, I had a doc one time, you know, the, the pussy scab, peeled it right off, went in, hex, smeared it, right? Redid it, rebandaged it. Got rid of the infection. This is exactly what a scoffer will do to an assembly, to an organization. 
it'll infect. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And he says, look at this. Peter is telling us this. Look at this because what you need to do is you need to cast out that scoffer. You need to do that. Scoffers will come. They will come. And they will say, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Okay? I was in Times Square. I cannot believe this happens to me. It happens to me. I just, I just can't take it. You know, I, I, went, I, went, I had to go to the bathroom yesterday between the meetings. And they sang a short song. They couldn't do 60 stanzas of Just As I Am. They had to do a super short song. So I left right away. I got up. And said, okay, thank you. And they closed in prayer. And I'm going to the... You know, I'm washing my hands and I don't hear any more singing. <laughs> and I'm going, oh no. Oh no. And I come out and you guys in this section are all looking right over here. And you're going... I hate that. I hate when that happens to me. Oh my word. And so, what you, I don't even know what I was talking about. Huh? The what? Oh, Times Square. <laughs> yeah, I had to get that in. I had to get, I had to get that. Times Square, yeah. So I'm, I'm in Times Square. And we're preaching in the open air with the sketchboard and everything. And you know, we're just letting them have it with the gospel, right? And this group of guys come up to me and with one spoke, a group of them. He said, you Christian? I go, yeah. He goes, you believe Jesus is going to return? I said, yeah. He said, I am not kidding. I am not embellishing. Quote, where is, where is the promise of His coming? I went, really? I said, wait a minute. I went to my bag. And boom, I pulled out this passage. I said, look at this. This is what you're going to say. And boom, he goes, yeah, yeah. Oh, my word. This is what they're going to say. Where is the promise of His coming? Where is it? And he says, why hasn't Jesus returned yet? Why isn't, hasn't he come yet? And, and Peter answers that. Peter, this is what these guys are telling me in Times Square. Where, how come he hasn't come yet? Where is he? Wah, 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 wah. Wine, wine, wine. Okay, so he says, you know, the beginning of creation, for they're willingly ignorant that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water, etc. And he talks about the coming of the Lord. And a thousand, day, thousand years is a day, and a day is a thousand years. And then he goes in verse 9. Look at verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, not, willing, not uh, suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance or belief. I said, you know why? You know why He hasn't come yet? Because you have not come to Jesus Christ yet. He is opening the gate for you to come. I don't know when Jesus Christ is coming for His church. I don't know that. But He's not willing that any should perish. He wants you to come and trust Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. And He wants you to do it now because you do not know when the time or the hour of when He's going to come. 
You don't know. Nobody knows that except the Father. Except, you know, and so He wants you to come to Christ right now. That's why He hasn't done He's not impotent. It's like the moron that says, okay, you know, if God doesn't strike me dead in a minute, God doesn't exist. You know, and I'm kind of praying. <laughs> it's like the guy in, in, in Los... We went, we've gone, to Larry and Janie and I have gone to Hollyweird Boulevard here in Los Angeles, right? And uh, I had a friend of mine, Wes Dunn, who was a preacher, open-air preacher here in, in, in L.A. And uh, he recounted he this where a guy comes up and he's scoffing like crazy. Ah, yeah, cry, and he's swearing to God, doing all this kind of stuff. And Wes is standing there. He's not a big guy. He's like this tall. And he, uh, he's a little taller or shorter. Anyways, he's, he's about Steve's height. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, bro. You zung me about me sleeping. That was the best rest I've had in a long time. <laughs> so I'm only kidding. Okay, so I, I, I look at, uh, you know, he's telling me this story where a guy is just really railing against, Wes is pleading with him to come to Christ. And this guy turns three steps and he hits the pavement. Before he hits the pavement, he's dead. Boom. Don't mess with God. He's not willing that any should perish, but his patience... His patience. And this is exactly when he is telling, he's telling us, Peter is telling us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to belief. Repentance and belief are synonymous here in this passage. And Peter is, it's interesting that Peter is using this. I think he's recounting in his mind Acts chapter 10 through 11.18. And uh, of, of Cornelius getting saved and the whole household. And so... It says, for the day shall come as the thief in the night. The day of the Lord shall come as the thief, verse 10. And he goes on. And it says, looking and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. Now that's an unfortunate translation. That is an unfortunate translation. The translation goes like this in the Greek, looking for and earnestly desiring the coming of the Lord. Or the coming of the day of God. Man. Coming again. Coming again. I can't wait. This is going to be so cool. You know, what a, what a great illustration. It would be final. Of preaching on the rapture of the church and then get boom. Wouldn't that be cool? So every sermon I'm going to do now is going to be on that. <laughs> so every sermon I'm going to talk about the return of Christ. And uh, this is exactly what he's talking about, looking for it. Not hastening. We can't, you know, the last guy of the last, you know. No, that's not the hastening. It is earnestly desiring it. Uh, looking, and, looking for and earnestly desiring the coming of the day of God. So what is he telling us? He is telling us to know this. To really get to know this, and then also now, not only exhorting us to remember to know, but also to live it. And then in verse 18, to grow thereby. To live it. Live in this expectation. He is talking about us, you know, he's warning us, he's sharing with us great and precious promises. Folks, our occupation, I don't know what you do for a living, some of you I do, but I don't know what you do for how you make your money and all that kind of stuff. 
But our job as Christians and why we are still here is to be salt and light to a world that needs Jesus Christ. That's why we are still here. And that is our job to not only to know, but to live it. We are to live the Gospel. And this is exactly what, what Steve is talking about. Are we authentic in our living for this? You know, people look at, look at us. They don't read the Gospel of John. They read you. And they look at you and they find out if you're really a hypocrite or not. They look, they're judging Christianity. If they find out that you're a Christian and you're not living it, they have a higher standard than you do. Isn't that true? So let's not, let's not disappoint them in the sense that... They, and you know, really, people get disappointed when a Christian says, the, says one thing about something and lives a different way. They, get, they really do. They get really disappointed. Don't disappoint them and don't disappoint your Savior who bought you. Live the life in light that He could come at any moment. At any moment, He could come. Boom. Uh, and most people who are about to get married and take the vows, they are asking God. Right? They're saying, Lord, not today. Not this very moment. Please. That would be cool. <laughs> Do you take this? <laughs> Gone. And don't, please don't ask me what we're going to look like, how old we will be. Will you have hair or no hair? I just want to be there. I don't, you know what I mean? I, don't, I just want to be there. Will you be 33? The age of the Lord. You know? All these kinds. I don't, the thing is, I'll probably be a grease mark. You know, clothes hanging there and all the fat will go away. I'm hoping. But it doesn't matter because I'm going to have eternal health. This is, this is fantastic. This is no pie in the sky. This is reality. Because if I believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so. How did I get to that? I got to that by literal historical grammatical hermeneutic and he is meaning every word. So he's telling us to grow. And he says, wherefore, verse 14, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you as also in his epistles, speaking of them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they who are unlearned and unstable, that would be scoffers too, they also, as they do also the other Scriptures unto their own destruction. Wherefore, beloved? Wherefore, beloved? Wherefore, beloved? Hmm. Wherefore, beloved? Um, I've got to take the glasses off before I go down. Yeah, there you go. Wherefore, beloved? That's you. That's you. My dear brothers and sisters, this is really another way of putting it. Wherefore, my beloved? 
seeing that you know these things. Before, beware lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory, now and forever. So be it. Amen. Amen. This is the charge, to grow in grace. So, I'm, I'm sorry, you just, you, you, you can't escape this. You're responsible. You just can't escape this. Sorry, even if you slept through this message, you can't escape it. Even if you didn't like the way it was delivered, you still cannot escape it. We are all responsible now. So we've got two things to do with this. We either comply with his growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, or we don't. And it's up to you. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with what you've just heard? He is telling us that he wants to change us and make us into his, just like his son. He is telling us and warning us and showing us where the heresy is going to come in. And we need to understand and to grow in the knowledge of God and in doctrine. And in really, he's telling us this, chapter 2. And now he's telling us, in light of the soon return of Jesus Christ, it could happen at any moment, live a life so, so commiserate with him. Live it. And it's by his grace. You say, I can't live the life. You never could. You never could live the life. It's always by his grace. That's why he opens up with grace be unto you and peace be multiplied. Because he knows we're leaky, very, very frail people. And we need his grace to do this. What do you say? We make the decision to do what he wants us to do. What do you say? Let's pray. In fact, as we pray, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in prayer. I'm going to give it some time, okay, so we can do business with God. What do you say? And then I'll close. It's going to sound, or not sound weird, because there's going to be no sound except the wood chipper. Okay? So let's do business with God right now. What do, you, what do you say to do that? And just talk to him. You can, you can approach him. He already knows it, so approach him and talk with him. And lay it all out for him. Would you do that? Let's pray.
Father, we're sorry. We're sorry we haven't trusted you more and taken you at your word. We're sorry that we have trusted ourselves or somebody else aside from you. Forgive us. We thank you that you have given us everything that we can grow thereby. Great and precious promises. We thank you that you give us a matrix in which we can discern how to judge the false and the true by your word. And we also know that Jesus Christ could come at any moment and we want to be found waiting on him. Lord God, help us to grow from what we've not only heard, but what we've read and how we have yielded to this and yielded to you. Help us never to quench the Spirit, but to please you. Ask you, Lord, that you would help us. We pray that you would dismiss us with your blessing, uh, that we would come back together over at... Uh, Mr. Chance's house, the, the Chance Jr., and uh, that we could have a great time together uh, just talking about you and eating. And we ask you, Lord, that you would just really protect us. But we pray as John does. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.